Good morning, Journey. Hey, we are in week two of a series that we're calling Whispers. At our church, we're in a season of trying to learn how to hear the voice of God. You say, why, why do you want to hear the voice of God? For several reasons. One, we want to know what God's will is for our life. Um, two, I bet everyone in the room is facing something right now that they would love to have God's direction on. God, what should I do in this season? I know that all of us from time to time are looking for God's comfort uh, in a difficult season, and we want to hear the voice of God because we want to know if there's hope for our future, sometimes in the midst of very dark times that we're living in. Listen, we don't just need God. We need to hear from God. Like, we don't just need to know that there's a God. We need to hear from God and know that he's in our life. And that's what this series is about. You know, two weeks ago, a man walked into a church in Nashville, Tennessee, and he shot eight people, killing one. Last Saturday night, a guy busted out his windows in the Mandalay Bay Hotel and opened fire on 22,000 concert goers, killing at least 59 and wounding another 500. It's really easy in life to look at the world and say, where is God? And what is God doing? As a matter of fact, next week in this series, we're going to be looking at a man named Elijah, who in the midst of extreme cultural darkness said, God, are you there? Like, are you real? Do you care? If you've been wondering the last few weeks, is God real? Does God care? If you've been living in a season of depression, in a season of discouragement, and wondering, can I hear God when things are depressing and discouraging next week is going to be for you. But every week of this series is going to train our ear just a little more how to hear from God. Last week, we laid the foundation of this series and we said this, hearing the voice of God is a skill that has to be developed. And you say, Christian, I've never heard from God. You can. It's a skill that has to be developed though. You don't get the skill automatically. When you become a Christian, you don't automatically know how to hear from God. Um, You don't hear from God the minute after you come out of the baptismal waters. You don't hear from God after your first communion or after your first mission trip. It's a skill that has to be learned. So we're trying to teach it to you through this series. And we said last week that hearing from the voice of God takes supernatural space. We met a young boy named Samuel last week in 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to be back with him today. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3, or you can open up your Journey Church International app. Everything on the screen will be downloaded for you there. Pull your notes out of your bulletin because last week we we basically tried to teach you to listen last week was learning to listen Um, and we said if you're going to learn to listen you got you got to get around the presence of God if you want to hear the voice of God you have to figure out where the presence of God is and go there we said last week you've got to have some people who know God in your life Samuel had Eli when God was speaking to him to confirm some of those things and we said last week that if you want to hear from God you've got to be still You've got to take time out of your day and you just have to be still. We said you have to create supernatural space in order to hear supernatural communication. And for most of us, the primary reason we don't hear from God is because we're too busy. Has nothing to do with our heart. Has nothing to do with sin. We're just too busy to stop and hear from God. So we want to try to learn how to be still and hear from God. We find ourselves back in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Last week we learned how to stop and listen. Today we're going to learn why God is speaking. It says in 1 Samuel 3, 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Circle both Samuel and Eli. If you weren't here last week, Eli was the high priest of Israel. He was the one man in Israel whose job it was to keep the nation of Israel connected to God, but he and his sons were not doing a good job. Samuel was a young priest. He was mentoring who would end up taking his job because one of them would make time to hear from God and listen, and the other one would not. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There weren't many visions. 
One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord said, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about, his sons blaspheming God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering. Samuel lay down until morning, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Don't hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. In all of Israel, from Dan, that was their northern boundary, to Beersheba, that was their southern boundary, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So last week we learned how to listen. Like, how do you listen when God is speaking? Today we go a little deeper, and we don't just listen to what he says But today we're going to try to figure out why he is saying it. Like, why is God speaking in the first place? Today, very specifically, you need to understand what we learn about God and why he speaks is more important than what God said about Eli. I will explain that to you, but we will not dig into Eli and his family because why God said what he said is so much more important to us in 2017 than exactly what he said to Eli. Because if we look deeper than the comments about Eli... We hear that God is speaking and we hear why. You heard me say a couple weeks now in a row in this series, God speaks every day. Oftentimes we just don't hear it. Even if we believe that, you would have to ask the question, well, why? Why is God speaking every day? Like even if you really believe that, why is God speaking every day? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you need to know you're always welcome at this church as you try to sort out what Christianity is and and get answers about who Jesus is and how you can connect your life to him. But if you're not a Christian and you're saying God speaks every day, why? Today's message is going to try to answer that question. Why is God speaking? And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we find the answer to that. Number one, here's what we see. We see three things today from this conversation between God and Samuel. Number one, we see God is speaking to reveal himself. God is speaking to reveal himself. God is speaking because he wants you to know about him. Look at verse 21, the last verse we read in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. Why? Because there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. God speaks because he wants you to know about him. 
God speaks because he wants to reveal himself to you and say, here I am. You know, when I was younger, I was afraid of, um, of the dark. Now that I'm older, I don't use that phrase. I just say that I, you know, I'd prefer light if, if there was a possibility of it. Um, I'm 40. I'm too old to be afraid of the dark. But if Daniel and the kids are all gone and it's just me and my dog Rudy at home, I'll have a little light on, not a night light per se, but just a little light so that it's not pitch black. Because I'm not fond of the dark. And that always made me like the world's worst hide-and-go-seek player. Like I could never win hide-and-go-seek because I was afraid to hide in the best hiding spots. Like can you, can you picture in your head like the best hiding spot you ever had in your house during hide-and-go-seek? If you can, it was probably dark, which is why I never had a good hiding, a hiding, hiding spot. It's why I never won the game hide-and-go-seek. Well, you need to understand, when it comes to God speaking to reveal himself... God is the worst hide-and-go-seek player in the history of the world. God is the worst hide-and-go-seek player in the history of the world for this reason. He told the prophet Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God says, I want to be found. I, I, I don't want to hide. I want to be found. In James 4, 8, James says, if you come near to God, he'll actually come near to you. If you take a step towards him, it cuts the distance by two because he takes a step back towards you. If you can picture yourself playing a game of hide-and-go-seek with God, it would look like this, like eight, nine, ten, like ready or not, here I come, and God would be like, here I am, like, you know, let's be friends, and you'd be like, God, because that's his name, like God, like that's not how the game works, and everyone else is still hiding, and now we've got to go find them, like God would be the worst hide-and-go-seek player in the history of the world because he doesn't want to hide from you. He wants to be known by you. He wants to be revealed to you. Some of you are saying, man, where is God in all this? He wants you to ask that question because he wants you to know the answer. God wants to reveal himself to you. Samuel had a heart to hear, so God spoke to him. Samuel wanted to hear and was listening for God, so God spoke to him. But the chapter didn't start this way. As a matter of fact, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, first verse of the chapter, and verse 21, last verse of the chapter, are as polar opposite as you could possibly get. In the first part of the chapter, no one was hearing from God. It says in 1 Samuel 3, 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There weren't many visions. We start the front of the chapter, and it doesn't appear as if God's speaking to anyone. But look at the end of the chapter. Verse 21, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel. At the beginning of the chapter, no, God wasn't speaking to anyone. At the end of the chapter, God would never shut up. He was speaking continuously. You say, what happened? He found someone who would listen. What made God go from not speaking to speaking all the time? He found someone whose attention he had. Some of you are saying, God's never spoke to me. I bet if you would stop and listen... You would begin to say, like many of my friends do, God won't stop talking to me. He's always on me every day about things. I talked to several people after our first service who were telling me things God was speaking to them about every day this week during the Be Still Challenge. I mean, things that were shaping and transforming their family. God was speaking continuously. Why? He found someone who would listen. So my question to you is, have you started listening yet? Last week, did you start listening? We have hundreds of people who took what we're calling the Be Still Challenge. We're asking our people to take 15 minutes a day for 40 days and to be still. 
Shut everything down, shut everything else out, and just take 15 minutes to focus on God. We've given you a little prayer guide. We've given you some some verses to look at. Um, We've given you some prayers to say, a a chapter of scripture to read. We have hundreds of people who have started being still as many times as they can during the week to hear from God. And we have others who haven't started listening yet. You have not figured out how to slow your life down enough to give God a slot to speak to you. So the theme verse for this entire Whisper series, we said, listen, it's not as much about hearing from God as it is just being in a place where God knows you're listening is Psalm 4610, be still. Be still so you can know I'm God. Psalm 46 starts off this way. God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 46 is saying this. How do you hear from God when when everything's going wrong? How do you hear from God? When life is filled with trouble, how do you hear from God? When a guy opens up on 22,000 concert goers, how do you hear from God? God says the answer is be still. Step one, be still. You've got to halt to hear. You've got to stop so he can speak. Be still, God says, and you'll know that I'm God. Say, Christian, I don't have time to hear from God. Others of you might be saying, I don't even believe in God. I don't have time to hear from God because he's not a real thing to me, and if he is, I don't want to hear from him. Well, do you know that regardless of your heart for God, Regardless even of your belief in God, that God speaks to you too. I mean, God's a talker. He's speaking every day. You say, I don't believe in God. He believes in you. You say, I don't want to know God. He wants to know you. The apostle Paul said it this way in Romans 1.20. He said, for since the creation of the world, since the very beginning, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen. And they're understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I mean, if you'll just look at nature enough, your heart will be overwhelmed with the sense of the divine. Go stand on a peak in Colorado. You'll be overwhelmed with the sense of divine. Stand on the beach. You'll be overwhelmed with the sense of divine. Watch the eclipse. You'll be overwhelmed with the sense of divine. God is communicating to people. David, who was a shepherd who often slept outside and probably knew the constellations by heart, said in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of our God. The skies proclaim that God is working. So we can read the book of Job written in a setting eight to 9,000 years ago that names the exact same constellations that are hanging in our sky today and nothing's changed. And Job would say, it's God who's put them there. It's God who's kept them there. Those communicate something to us about the power of our God. So you say, I don't believe in God. He speaks to you. He, he believes in you and he's speaking to you. Why? Because he wants to reveal himself to you. God wants to be found. You say, why? Number two, he's speaking because he's in relational pursuit of you. He doesn't want to stop you to give you a ticket for what you've done wrong. He wants to stop you to give you a hug for how much you're loved. And a lot of people don't want to be stopped by God because they're afraid of the punishment that he's going to give them, but they don't realize God is stopping them to love them. God is stopping them to comfort them. God is stopping them to guide them. God is stopping them to direct them. God doesn't want to slow down their life so he can get in their way. He wants to slow them to slow down in life so he can show them the way. That's why God wants to, be, to reveal himself to you because he wants to be in relationship with you. He's actually in relational pursuit of the entire world, which is where God's speaking to Samuel kind of turns this narrative. Look at verse 14. So I don't see God's love for the world in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Look at verse 14. God told Samuel, therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering. Two pretty powerful words. If you have your pencil, underline or pen, underline the word atone for or circle them or highlight them in your Bible. 
The Hebrew word for atone for, I talked to you about this last week, is the word ha-kipporim. In Hebrew, the word day is yom, so yom kippur, or yom kippur is the day of atonement. If you have Jewish friends, they celebrated that last week. It's the one day a year where they fast and mourn for God to forgive their sins. So yom kippur are two English, two Hebrew words, which means day of atonement. You say, what does atonement mean? What does atoned for mean? God said, your house won't be atoned for anymore. Atoned for means to cover over. Atoned for means to purge. Atone for means to remove. So God was telling Eli, pretty harsh judgment, the sins of your house won't be covered. The sins of your house won't be purged. The sins of your house won't be removed. It's like, well, that's pretty harsh punishment. And why would God tell Eli that? Well, it was the job of Eli and his sons to atone for the sins of the people of Israel. Why? So the entire nation could be relationally connected to God. Like their job was to make sure that God was connected to the people of Israel. Say, how would the people of Israel connect to God during this time of several thousand years ago? They would bring daily sacrifices and offering, quarterly sacrifices and offerings, annual sacrifices and offering. They would give them to Eli's son to give to God so that their sin could be covered over, their sin could be purged, their sin could be removed. And we hear in 1 Samuel chapter 2 that God sent a prophet to Eli to, Eli, to say, Eli, I see what your sons are doing. He said, when the people bring their offerings so their sin can be atoned for, your sons keep them. When they bring the flour from the fields, your son make themselves bread and they eat it all. When they bring their animals, your sons eat the best parts for themselves. And if there's any left over, they throw those on the altar. When the people bring the money, your sons use it for prostitutes. And he said, the people of Israel are disconnected from me and you and your family are the reasons. So fix it. And we learned that Eli didn't fix it. So God said, you guys are not going to be atoned for because my relational pursuit of Israel has been cut off because of you and your sin. God removed Eli and his sons from their position because their ministry leadership had removed God from his position, relationally connected to the people of Israel. So that sounds, that's, that's pretty bad business. You're right. Remember the time Samuel was born into, Judges 21, 25. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And the church was corrupt. The church that Samuel was born into was more concerned about taking care of the pastor than taking care of the people. And God said, we can't do that because I want to be relationally connected to Israel. That's your job. And if you're not doing your job, you're going to lose your job. Why? Because of this fact. God wants to be in a personal relationship with you. Every moment of every day for the rest of your life, God desires to be in a personal relationship with you. That's just the pursuit of God in scripture. People ask me, why does God speak? Because he wants to be in relationship with you. Listen, God could have sent a sign, one big sign for all of time to say, here I am. And that could have been it. God could have held a church service, one one hour church service to present himself to the world. God could have just had one sermon. And this sermon tells us everything that we need to know. But he didn't send signs or sermons or services. He sent his son. He sent a person. And said to be connected to me is to be in relationship. It's not to be wowed by a sign. It's not to be blessed by a service. It's not to be directed by one sermon. It's to be in relationship with a person. That's what it is to be connected to God. To be in relationship with a person. And not just any person. Jesus would be born as the priest for the world. What was the priest's job? To atone for, to cover over, to remove, to purge anything in our lives 
that would stand in the way of us being relationally connected to God. So God wants to have relationship with us. So he sent someone who we could have a relationship with. And at the exact same time, that person would be able to remove our sin from our life, purge our sin from our life, cover over the things in our life that were offensive to God so God could see us and love us and embrace us. But your heart has to be open to that. I mean, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, your heart has to be open to God's knock at your door. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus said to the first generation of churches that had ever experienced about 50 years of ministry, not a church that grew up with Jesus, but a church that grew up knowing about Jesus. He said, we've grown distant. And he said in Revelation 3.20, here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with that person and they with me. Jesus said, every day I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'd love to come in. Like every day, if you'll give me time, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'd love to spend some time with you. I'd love to get in if you'll let me. You know, one of my favorite hobbies um, in this season of my life is helping coach my son's football team. Christian's a sophomore at Summit Christian Academy. He plays football, and they've allowed me to kind of help coach. Um, And Friday night is my favorite night of the week because God created me to be on a field with a team much more than he created me to be on a stage by myself. Like, I just dig being with the guys, being with the coaching staff on Friday night. And and my role is to work with the quarterbacks a little bit. Um, And then on game day, it's my role to, to help signal the plays into the team and to basically help with substitutions, guys that need to be in, making sure we have the right guys on the field. So if you see me on Friday night, there's this row of kids always near me because they're always waiting to go in, um, one or the other. And four or five of them are constantly rotating on every series. But we've got this one guy on our team, he's a freshman, um, who this is, I assume, the first year of sports that he's ever played in his life. Um, He's a great kid, he's a hard worker, He's getting better all the time, but like he's not ready to step on to a football field because he, he's not, he, he can't even protect himself. Like he's there, he's a part of the team and he'll get it, but he's, he's not ready yet. And I was surprised after the first game of the year to realize that he was in line with the rest of these guys. And every time we go through a series, we get to the end of the series, we go on defense, I turn around, he'd be like right there in my face. Helmet was buckled, mouthpiece in and be like, coach, can I go in now? And it's like, not yet. And, and we'd like go through the next series and we get through the next series and he'd be standing right there. And every time I turn around, coach, can I go in now? And it's like, not yet. Like he's done this seven times. Coach, can I go in now? It's like, not yet. Not like my constant comment to him is not yet, not yet. Sometimes I don't even say it. I just give him a hand and he understands like what I'm saying because I've said it so often. And as I thought about him, I thought, man, how many of us that describes our relationship with God? Like every morning when we're driving to the gym so faithfully, God's saying, hey, when, when, like when you're done, like can I get in? Can I have some time? And we're like, not yet. How many days of the week when we stay that extra hour or 90 minutes at work to finish up some things? And God's waiting right there and he's like, hey, can, can I get in? And we're like, not yet. How many times when we're watching our kids' sports practice or we're driving them to the next event, is God waiting right there saying, um, hey, like, can, can I get in? And we're like, not yet. How many times when we're sitting at our favorite fishing hole, sitting in our deer stand, we're finishing up the 18th hole, driving up the fairway, and God's saying, hey, now that, now that you're done, can I, can I get in? And we're like, not yet. We finish reading our favorite book that we've spent days, if not weeks, reading. God knows we're getting to the last page, and he's like, hey, can I get in? And we're like, not yet. Like, I wonder how many of us 
don't even have to say not yet anymore to Jesus because he understands this. This week we were in kind of a dogfight in our game, playing in the mud down in Butler, Missouri. Seven to seven as we got near the end of the third quarter. And this kid said something to me he'd never said before. We, seven, seven, tight game, muddy game. Offense comes off the field, defense goes in, and I turn around and he's there. He's got his chin strap buckled. He's got his mouthpiece in, but he looked at me and he said, I'm not going in tonight, am I, coach? And I was like, no, not tonight. Um, at what point last week did Jesus get that he wasn't getting in? He had no time for him. At what point in 2017 did Jesus realize this isn't their year with me? At what point in your marriage or your parenting or your finances or your job did Jesus realize, yeah, I'm not getting in. I'm not getting in tonight. Because he wants to be in relationship with you. And according to Revelation 3.20, every time you turn around, he's like, like, can I go in now? And I think so often he hears not yet. And he just wants us to provide a moment on our life to say, yes, yes, come in. Because I deeply need you to speak to my life and my situation. God is speaking to you today. If you'll have time to put him in, God will speak to you today. Why does he do that? Well, number three, we see in this story specifically, God speaks in real time for eternal reasons. God speaks in real time for eternal reasons. You say, why is God speaking to me? Because the decision you make this week about your marriage will have spiritual consequences for the rest of your life. Why is God speaking to me? Because the decisions that you make about your kids this week or this school year will have spiritual consequences for the rest of your life. Why is God speaking to me? Because the level of discouragement you're experiencing and the decisions you might be making in the next 90 days will have consequences for the rest of your life. God speaks to you in real time because he sees your future like you don't. And he knows if he can direct you in real time, then he can better position you in that time. So in 1 Samuel 3, we see God kind of unpack this for Samuel in verses 11 through 13. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I'm going to carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end, for I told him. Would you underline those words? I told him. Do you know God's been telling you what you need to do in your marriage? Even if you've not been listening, he's been telling you. Do you know God's been directing you in how you need to parent? Even if you haven't been listening, he's been telling you. Do you know God's been speaking to you about the the pace you're running that will not allow you to love your family or have a deep faith, but you're doing everything else? God isn't one to say, I told you much, but he says it here. I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about his son's blaspheming God, and he failed to restrain them. I told him. I told him so that he could make a change that would lead to a whole different life. I told him so that he could be connected to me and he refused to listen. Every decision you make from today through the end of your life has eternal spiritual consequences. Decisions about your marriage, decisions about your parenting, decisions about your financing, decisions about your career, decisions about friendships in your life. Every decision you make from today through the rest of your life has spiritual and eternal Consequences. So God says, I'm going to speak now for later. I'm going to speak now for later. And God said, let me tell you what happens to those who ignore me. He said, their ears are going to tingle 
when they remember that I had directed them to do something different and they didn't. Their ears are going to tingle when they realized I told them about that way back then and they just refused to listen. You see, God spoke to Eli well in advance of judgment so he could avoid it. He wasn't threatening him. He was trying to help him. God didn't tell Eli so he'd be afraid. He told Eli so he'd be aware. And, and he gave him enough time so through that awareness he could choose to make a change and redirect his life. But Eli didn't listen and God stopped talking to him. Because God wanted him to know, listen, I will carry out my plans and my promises. So God speaks in real time about eternal things. It's why we have written into scripture, Hebrews 9, 27, because God speaks in real time about eternal things that every one of us who today are alive are destined to die and after that to face judgment. That'll be a verse that we all wish we knew when we get there. So Jesus says, I'll speak to you about that in real time because that has eternal purpose to it. Say, Christian, I don't like that verse. That's that's a scary verse. That verse is not intended to make you afraid. It's intended to make you aware and then to give you the opportunity to choose. That's the only purpose of that verse, to make you aware and then to give you the opportunity to choose. God doesn't want anyone to be afraid of death. He doesn't want anyone to fear judgment, but he wants everyone to be aware of it so they can be connected to him when it comes. And it's coming. It's coming for all of us. I hope way down the road, but it's coming. So God told Eli, listen, things can go better than this. God loved Eli and wanted to redirect him. He didn't listen. God loved Eli's sons, even in all the sin they were participating in. He warned them so they could change. They chose not to listen. God did all of this because he loved all of Israel. And he said, if the priests are disconnected from me, the nation's disconnected from me. So I'm going to have to make a hard change here. And now it's us. Now it's the people of Journey Church International on October 8th, 2017, that God is saying, I'm going to speak to you in real time for eternal purposes. So God speaks. In this series, we're learning how to listen, but hopefully today you've learned why to listen. Because the reality is if if God is real, and I believe he is, I believe creation proves that to us. If God is real, If this book is what he wants us to know about him, culminating in his son, Jesus, who is who God would be if he could become a man. And if his plan for us is to have a relationship with Jesus that not only gives us a spiritual friend forever, but also atones for everything in our life that would keep us from God. If that's his plan, and today he told it to you, then you have a choice. You can either follow that plan, or you can choose not to. But you can never say he didn't make you aware of it. You can never say he didn't try to reveal himself. You can never say you didn't know that he loved you and wanted to be close to you. You can't say that anymore after today because God has spoken to Samuel 3,100 years ago and to us today for the exact same reason. Because God wants to reveal himself so that he could be in a relationship with you. And he wants that relationship to start now because it has eternal implications in your life. So what do you say? Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning?